This podcast is also part of a pod course, which is available for credit on speechtherapypd.com. All you need to do is register for the course, complete the requirements, and you will receive credit. Speechtherapypd.com is a video continuing education company, a certified ASHA CE provider. Hello, and welcome to the Speech Link, brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I'm your host, Shara Beauchart, speech-language pathologist, and I invite you to join us as we share practical strategies to take your therapy to the next level. We'll talk with experienced experts who have achieved extraordinary results and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. I am absolutely thrilled you've tuned into the speech link today. This is the first of many episodes to come. Now, if you're the kind of person that wants to do effective analysis and therapy and use your time wisely to make the biggest and best impact in the lives of your speech and language kids, I can relate. That's my goal, too. The focus of our time together here on the speech link is to link to and connect with other professionals and learn more about how to successfully meet the needs of school-age children with speech and language issues. And like you, I've worked with a lot of kids in the schools, private practice, clinical setting, taught at the university level, done training videos, written practical books, and a weekly blog called Therapy Matters. That's my current baby, by the way. And over the past several years, I've toured extensively and hopefully had the honor of meeting you at a seminar. Now, to ensure that you hear every episode, click on subscribe. And we love to hear from you. Give us a review and your comments and any questions you might have or topics you'd like to see addressed. Visit us on Facebook or go to charboshart.com and especially get your CEUs for this pod course at speechtherapypd.com. guest, I couldn't think of a better, more respected speech-language pathologist than Dr. Karen Dudek-Brannan. Dr. Karen received her bachelor's degree in 2002 and master's in 2004 in speech-language pathology from Illinois State University. She immediately began working in the schools as a speech-language therapist. She started her postgraduate work in 2005, then in 2014 received her doctorate in special education also from Illinois State University. She holds certificates in assistive technology and in director of special education. During those education years, Dr. Karen's research focused on vocabulary and metalinguistic strategies, which have been published in several peer-reviewed journals, and she has taught several graduate-level courses. But primarily, Dr. Karen is adept at analyzing problems and coming up with solutions. She helps us SLPs make therapy breakthroughs via her weekly blog, her programs and resources, and through her practical online training program called Language Therapy Advanced Premium. All of this can be found at drkarenspeech.com. Now, she's worked in the schools for 14 years and currently does online training and coaching for other SLPs. Welcome, Dr. Karen. I'm excited that you're here. 
Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Now, I I need to let you know, I am a fan of yours, Dr. Karen. I receive and love your blog. And thank you so much for your time and effort in putting it all together every week. You're very welcome. Um, Thank you for being a reader. Thank you. Yes, thank you. You're going to share with us today three secrets to expanding sentences and building vocabulary. Right? That's right. Now, I accessed your free ebook on sentence structure, and I loved it. Thank you so much. It's 36 pages of very practical information. And you started off telling us that you were, you know, the kinds of kids that you worked with and you were doing therapy. And then you noticed that they just weren't improving like you wanted them to improve. Now, quote, you asked yourself, why? Why weren't they improving? And you noticed that something was missing. You said, I was treating the symptom, not the cause. And I have to say, that hit me right between the eyes. So Dr. Karen, this is where I want to start. What was missing and how did you come to that? Well, there were really a couple things. So I noticed just being an SLP in the schools, there's a lot of confusion about what we're supposed to be doing. And I think we all know that we're supposed to be helping kids do well in school, but we're not always exactly sure how, because we know that what we do is a little bit different from teachers, but we also know that there is some kind of a shared responsibility there. So really when I started to have my aha moments, there were a couple things that went into that. So when I was working in the schools, I was also getting my doctorate and doing some research and really my main area of focus was vocabulary. And when I was struggling with those kids and feeling like I wasn't exactly sure where I fit into the mix in the schools, I was on a problem-solving team in my district that whenever there was a concern about a kid, they would get referred to this team. So whether it was behavior or academic, and I noticed that a lot of those kids were all low. So if a teacher was referring them and there was some type of language concern or there was some type of an issue with comprehension, a lot of them were low in vocabulary and they would come out low on the testing that I would do, but then just the things that could, the teachers were saying. So they would say something like, you know, they just can't get their thoughts together when they are talking and, you know, they just can't put their thoughts together when they're writing. Or they, I I remember one teacher had said that, there was something that they were reading in the classroom and it was about the ghost in the attic or something like that. And the student didn't know what an attic was. So she had no idea what the whole entire paragraph or story was about. So she really had no context. So that was where I realized that vocabulary was this huge area where a lot of these kids were struggling. And so obviously us being language experts, I thought, well, that's probably what I should be doing. But when I was doing my doctoral research, and then also I'm working in the schools, I was doing a lot of work with semantics. So like studying the category of words and functions and and all of those different things, you know, stating synonyms and antonyms and those things that we do to build our students' vocabulary. 
But what I didn't really realize is that syntax actually fits into that mix as well. And when I was doing my doctoral research, I was really looking into how we can help students to define and describe words. And the intervention that I was doing was really focusing on getting kids to describe words using semantic features, like, you know, getting them to state the category and the function and things like that. And I was doing all those things with my students and I realized that I had part of the picture. So it was like, okay, they're not comprehending. Why aren't they comprehending? Well, they don't have a good vocabulary foundation, but I'm working on this and I'm missing a piece. And what I started to realize was that, you know, when we're working on things like semantics, so like we're getting kids to describe words. So I would have, um, you know, name the category, name the function and give me all this information about the words. And then it was like, okay, tell me what that word means or use that word in a sentence. And then they would kind of look at me like a deer in headlights after we had just spent all this time studying the words. And it was kind of like, what's going on here? And when I did my study for my dissertation research, I found the same thing where, this, the intervention that I did that focused on semantics really wasn't that much better than what teachers were already doing. But what I found was that I really wasn't addressing syntax. So basically, it was kind of like I was, you know, it's kind of like when you're cleaning your closet, there's all this stuff in there and you don't know where it is and you don't even know what's in there. And a lot of times our kids you know, they, they don't have poor retrieval. So I was working on semantics and like showing them all this information that they could describe about words, but it was almost like, you know, if you make it related to, to cleaning your closet, it was basically like I was having them pull all this information out and it was just laying in a pile on the floor and I wasn't showing them what to do with it. And I was really missing the structural Uh part So I wasn't really teaching them what to do with it. So I came to that realization where it was like, you know, if it's not just enough to study what words mean, we also have to show kids what to do with the words and we have to show them how to structure the sentences. So really the conclusion that I came to was that a lot of times they're not comprehending because one, they don't understand the sentence structure, but two, they're not giving us good sentences because we're not really showing them how to put a sentence together. Wow. Yeah, that answers a lot. Now, with that base, you're going to start, you're going to tell us the secrets, right? You're going to tell us how to do this. (laughs) What is the first secret? What do we do? So, Starting where I left off, which I mean, that's really the why, right? So, so now we understand, you know, why syntax is important, that it's not just enough to, to show us what words or show kids what words mean. We also have to show them what to do with it. So really the first Mm -hmm. secret there. So there's three of them. The first one being that syntax and vocabulary are not separate things, So, Uh so really here, when we're thinking about vocabulary, vocabulary is kind of this 
broad umbrella term. It's not just, you know, getting kids to identify a word and, you know, point to a word or name a word, which is what we do on a lot of vocabulary assessments. It's also much more than that. So the two things that I've mentioned so far, I've already mentioned syntax and semantics. Um, it also includes things like morphology, orthography, and phonology. So all five of those things. So again, I'll repeat that. Phonology, orthography, Please. morphology, semantics, and syntax actually all impact each other, but all fit in under vocabulary. Because we don't ah. just need to know what words mean. We also know what to do with them and, and how to use them. And so syntax really helps us with that element of how to use words. So I think really today, you know, I've mentioned all five of those things. Really, we're talking about the relationship between semantics and syntax. So, you know, just mm -hmm. meaning and mm -hmm. just being able to use words as well. So really, that's the first secret is realizing that syntax and vocabulary are actually interrelated and they go together. And it's not like today you're working on syntax and that's this discrete skill over here. And now you're working on vocabulary. We really have to work on them together. Otherwise, kids aren't really going to get it. Mm -hmm. So that's the first secret. Mm -hmm. Should I go on to the next one? Okay, great. Please okay. do. Yes. <laughs> What's okay, the so second one? Really, the second one is that we have to realize also that vocabulary is not just about what words mean. It's also about what words do. So semantics is the study of meaning. And I think a lot of times when I mention that, those five things that I just talked about before, so phonology, orthography, morphology, semantics, and syntax, when I mention a lot of those things and say, hey, these are five things that are all under the umbrella of vocabulary, I think a lot of SLPs are already thinking about semantics. So they know that vocabulary is meaning and, and that goes together. But a lot of times vocabulary interventions really focus on that semantic element. But if we're going to actually teach kids to use words and figure out how to get them to use words in sentences, we have to also teach kids what words do. So also address those function words, because a lot of times when kids are struggling to put sentences together or aren't really sure what how to put a word into a sentence after you've studied it, it's because they're struggling with the structure of the sentence and then the function words. So one of the big things that that really comes up a lot for kids with language disorders specifically are conjunctions and really putting those complex ideas together. So things like, like coordinating conjunctions. So, you know, if you're familiar with the, the fanboys acronym, that's, you know, all of the, all of the coordinating conjunctions that connect different ideas. So they could connect, um, to simple sentences and make them a compound sentence, or they could connect just like to, to subjects. So if I said something like mom and dad, so a lot of times kids don't know how to use those words. Um, should I go through the fanboys acronym? Do you think people are familiar with that? Yeah, I don't know what fanboys is. Yeah, I'm out of that loop. Okay. 
Okay, so fanboys is an acronym that you might see on a lot of English language arts resources okay. that outlines all of the coordinating conjunctions. So coordinating conjunctions are those connecting words. So it if you put you if you list fanboys down and also if you google it you'll find this as well, but the coordinating conjunctions are for and nor but or yet and so. So those words are the words that actually connect words together and that's really important in being able to to put sentences together. Yeah, would you say those again so, so it's an acronym? Yeah, okay. it's an acronym okay. and it's the coordinating conjunction. So these are just okay. the connecting words. So Good. it's for uh-huh and uh-huh nor but Got it. or yet and so great and the the two that i like to start with are and and but because they're used common and and is it's a little bit easier so if i'm working on those with kids i like to start working with those mm-hmm. so that's one thing that's really difficult for kids is that they don't always know i mean those you can't when you say what does and mean it's like It's kind of hard to explain that, but it's more like, what does and do? And then, so that is kind of an entry level thing that you can work on when it comes to syntax. But what is really, really difficult for kids with language disorders and actually is something that when we look at overall language abilities is just Mm -hmm. the use and understanding of complex sentences So if we're making complex sentences, we actually have to know a different type of conjunction. We have to know how what the subordinating conjunctions do. And there is a lot of them. So I can't with the coordinating, you can just use the acronym. Uh, But with the, the subordinate conjunctions, those are the words that they don't just connect, but they actually explain how different messages in the sentence relate to each other. So they explain things like when and why. So this is words like because, after, before, unless, Mm -hmm. if. So those words are words that are really difficult for students. And one of the ones that I like to start with is the word because, um, because this is this is a word that you would use to to make a complex sentence. And it's also one that kids don't really, if they have struggle with language, they don't really know how to use it and they don't understand it when they hear it. So if I said something like, I went to bed because I was tired, and then you ask them, why did I go to bed? They might not understand where in that message to look for the reason because part of it is just the main message which is I went to bed and then because I was tired is explaining why so if they don't know that because is explaining the reason then they're really like they might kind of look at you like deer in headlights and if you are trying to get kids to use words in sentences or give you an answer to that question there they don't really know what to give you so a lot of times they'll just kind of 
just throw something out there and it's not really what you ask them. Or if you're trying to get them to use a word in a sentence, it'll just be kind of um, almost there, but not quite. Or they might give you kind of the deer in the headlights look where they just don't know what to do. So that's the right. secret is right. more wow. about just getting kids to understand those function words, because a lot of times that is kind of like the glue that that helps kids to put it all together and actually helps them to be using those those more complex sentences. So with subordinate conjunctions, mm -hmm. uh, you can, again, something you can Google to get lists of them. But I start usually with because, before and after, because those are kind of the big ones that kids struggle with and that are used often. So so those are the ones that I work on and, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and teach kids how to how to use. OK, so would that be kind of a sequence? You begin with the, some of the fanboys, mm -hmm. <laughs> some of the, the basic ones like and and but. Mm -hmm. And then would you kind of cover maybe three or four of those and then move into the subordinate? Yeah. Is that kind of a, a difficulty going from more simple to more complex? Yeah. Usually what I would do is I would probably start with and and but and show them. So, you know, if you have two simple sentences that you can connect those two ideas with with the word and and we might practice that a little bit. And then once they got the hang of that, I would work up to doing it with the coordinating conjunctions. So we might work on I might give them um, two sentences and see if they could put those two sentences together using the conjunction. But I'd probably start with the coordinating because all those are doing is connecting. That's a little bit easier. And then I might work up mm -hmm. to doing that with a subordinate conjunction. So that is called sentence combining. And actually, if you go to that free ebook that you mentioned, I talk about how to do that. So I talk about how to do sentence combining both with making a compound sentence, which is what you would do if you were doing it with the coordinating conjunction. And then I also talk about how to do it with a complex sentence, which is what you would be making if you're using the subordinate conjunctions. So that gives kids some structure. Right. So that is, I know that right. was a very long answer, but to, to go, that's really under that second secret, which is, you know, number one is vocabulary and syntax go together. And then number two, part of how they go together is that it's again, not just about meaning. It's also about function and we need to have both if we're going to get, kids to be able to use vocabulary in sentences. So that's the secret. Right. That is so good. I, you know, cause I know I tend to think mm -hmm. of just nouns and verbs mm -hmm. and then conjugating verbs, you know, and throwing in an adverb or something. Um, but this is great because this is, this gives them a string of information, how to connect their sentences and, and how to, um, put together words as for meaning, for their intent. Yeah. And this is excellent. Now, I know here, and I really don't mean this to be a commercial, um, but I love the way, you know, you've explained this in in this ebook, um, but you've also given us mm -hmm. the words. 
and you've given us like goals and so on. So you've done a lot of our work right. for us. Um, now, how do we do we like get pictures and we create the sentences or how, how as do far we do as that? using doing sentence combining? Doing the sentence combining, where do we get the sentences? Well, what I like to have people do, honestly, uh, I have done it so often that I am to the point where I can do it on the fly. I do in some of my one of my paid programs, I do give people a bunch of sentence probes. But um, honestly, with things like that, it's nice to have a long list of sentences that you can just pull. But if you really understand how to make a simple sentence, you can get to the point where you can kind of just go in there with a pencil and paper and do it. So I do recommend just getting familiar with how to make a simple sentence and just maybe coming up with a bunch of simple sentences on your own and then when you have just a list, maybe just try a couple of them and then go in there, go into your therapy session and teach your kids to combine, you know, two simple sentences together and to look for some ideas, what you could do. And what I often have SLPs do that I mentor is a lot of times we might do some things with semantics first. So maybe we'll mm -hmm. Pick some tier two vocabulary from the curriculum or books that kids are reading. And we have maybe every week, maybe we've got just like one to three words that we're studying. And we kind of, you know, spend a couple sessions working on semantics and maybe we study um, the feature of the words and the words meanings. And then I will have them try to come up with some simple sentences using those words and then do sentence combining using some of those words. So um, if you've got some, some different tier two words that you're using, maybe just come up with some simple sentences with that vocabulary and then teach your kids to combine the sentences that way. Honestly, I mean, that is kind of the gold standard to be able to do that and I like to tell the, the clinicians that I mentor that, you know, like materials are great and and word lists are great. And I give people word lists. But ultimately, you know, if you go into a job where maybe you don't have a lot of materials and you, you know, maybe don't have a lot of things right at your fingertips or maybe you're busy and you're between buildings and you left your stuff in the other building or whatever. And you just have <laughs> yeah. your dry erase board. If you know how to do this and if you understand how to, you know, just go to a quick word list and come up with these sentences, then that is a skill that no one can ever take away from you, no matter how big your materials budget is. And then you get really good at not having to compile a lot of materials together, you know, and, and like just being able to do it with fewer things. So I, I do recommend up front, um, I do have some, some things on my YouTube channel. Like I have a video about, you know, what is a coordinating conjunction? What is a simple sentence? So people know what it is, but I recommend just, you know, make a list of them and then see if you can come up with, you know, a way to just combine those two together. And I do show some examples in the, um, the ebook and hopefully that answers your question, but that's usually, 
I mean, that's the best way to do it because that's the way that you are able to, you know, really not be dependent on those materials. So, um, and just, right. I mean, it, it's great to right. be able to just have an online dictionary and find a word and be able to just study it with your students and really dig into that without feeling like you need, oh, you know, oh, I left my word list or my app back in my office or whatever. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of the gold standard I know. And there's nothing wrong with having materials. And, um, and that's why I do provide some of those things for the SLPs that I mentor. But I usually say, you know, this is not an exhaustive list. Use this as examples, use this as a way to learn the process, but eventually you're going to be able to come up with some more sentences in addition to this on your own. Yeah, that would be ideal. And but but as you say, it would be nice to have something like you've you've provided to kind of get us started with uh-huh. it and get us used to looking at those connecting words and, and the levels of, of uh, complexity and so on. Yeah. Um, I'm also thinking that, you know, a lot of us just have pictures. Oh, yeah. Pictures or maybe, great. you know, three or four or five sequence pictures, little stories uh-huh. and things. Um, also, I'm even thinking because, um, you know, when I was in the schools working with kids, I loved having, um, you know, just simple books, right. uh, which kind of provides a nice context. And uh, even just picking out a couple of sentences there because they're already familiar. Hopefully, I, you know, I had read through the story and so on. We talked about it and then pick out some sentences and really just nail those, the complexity of the sentences and look at that syntax and structure and so on. So I, I like that context kind of yeah. thing. But, you know, um, I love this, that it gives me something tangible um, to do, to look at those connecting words and so on. And I had thought about connecting connection, connecting words before, you know, in my therapy, but I never looked at it in such an organized way. So I really, really like this and I appreciate it. Um, You have a third item that you wanted to share with us. Um, Would you like to? um, I did want to just to piggyback on what you just said. You know, a lot of times when I talk about this, people sometimes misinterpret a little bit and think that I am advocating for more of a decontextualized approach. And that's actually not the case. A lot of times I spend so much time talking about structure really almost to help, you know, the SLP get so solid with it that they have a good understanding of it so that they can do exactly what you said, where you're using pictures, you are reading a book and you're able to pull, you know, recognize the complex sentences that you can study with your students because, because that is the gold standard to be able to work up to that point. So maybe you're doing some sentence combining, but then eventually you do want to work up to, doing this while you're reading a book with your students and being able to read a book and say and pick out a difficult sentence and read it to your students and then deconstruct it and and it's contextual that way and that is really what we want to be able to do Uh, but the reason that I focus so much on structure in my trainings for SLPs is that a lot of times when we skip right to reading to books and we don't have that foundation for what we actually want to pull out it just ends up being kind of random and in general. And, you know, it's important that when we do that contextualized intervention, that we know what to focus in on. So 
So I do like, I mean, again, those are, those are great mm-hmm. examples in addition to just coming up with a list of sentences to have pictures, have books and, and things like that. I mean, that's, you know, great example of how we can apply this. Makes total sense. Makes sense to but me. But to move on to the, the last secret that I get is a lot of times SLPs will ask me, like, how do I make this kid friendly? You know, how do I, isn't this too hard for them? And the last secret, so again, to kind of review all three of them, again, one, vocabulary and syntax go together. Two, it's not just about meaning. It's also about function. But three is that kids can understand more than you think they can. So a lot of times when you go on, you know, whatever the, the materials catalogs or, or teachers pay teachers or, or a lot of those teaching resources, we'll see a lot of very direct work on sentence structure, morphology, and we'll see a lot of that for maybe fourth, fifth grade on up or middle school and older students. But I think what what people don't realize is that kids are Mm -hmm. using complex sentences in those early grades and they're able to analyze or, you know, recognize things like prefixes and suffixes. Not that they're able to spell longer words perfectly, but they're able to recognize those in the early grades. So we actually don't have to wait and Mm -hmm. necessarily sugarcoat and make up other words in the you know, with the the whole purpose of making it kid friendly, it's okay to actually tell kids the real words and say, this is called a conjunction and tell them actually what that word is rather than make up another word to try to make it easier for them. Um, Because a lot of times kids can surprise you and Mm-hmm. You know, even with second and third graders, I am talking about what a complex sentence is and talking about the different types of clauses. I do use a lot of analogies. So I might say something like the the independent clauses, like the parent, you know, this can stand alone, but the subordinate clause or the dependent clause is kind of like the kid. It has to go with the parent because, you know, kids need their parents with them. So I might use some analogies like that just because, you know, honestly, I think adults benefit from analogies too. So I might do things like that, but I don't make up other words that don't mm-hmm. exist because I want to make it easier for them. I tell them, I tell them what what the words actually are. And a lot of times they're able to get it. And I think what happens sometimes is that when we see kids who are in junior high and they're really struggling with syntax, we're just then realizing how bad it is and how far behind those students are because now it's coming out in written language and spelling and reading because kids are having to read texts with those types of sentences. But we actually are using those in oral language way earlier, but since we don't always analyze oral language as much and it's, it's less formal, we don't always realize that they're really not a lot of those kids with language disorders aren't using them in oral language in those early grades. So I think people don't realize that you actually can start working on that in early elementary school. And you should be because if you're waiting until junior high, it's too little too late. So you can actually start writing those goals for complex sentences in early elementary school Mm -hmm. if you have kids who are showing 
delays in that area and who have those comprehension deficits. And if you're waiting, then sometimes you've kind of missed the boat because kids with language disorders need things more explicit. They're not going to pick up on it from just you know, general comprehension instruction and just being exposed to it in the curriculum. They And they need more repetition than other kids do when it comes to language. So we don't necessarily have to wait with these things and we don't, and, and we can just tell them, right. you know, the actual words that they are. And, and that way, when they get to the point where they're in fourth and fifth grade and they do have to say on their language arts paper what a conjunction is they have heard it over and over again and now they know what it means so we can challenge kids that way and it's again even if they're not getting it right away and they don't they can't pick out the conjunction and they can't use that word and explain what it is right away we can still explain it to them and 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 give them that exposure early on and we don't have to um you know make up another word in the in the interest of making it kid friendly for them um because because this it is kid friendly it is something that they need to know how to do so that is the third one mhm well mm-hmm. they'll probably hear it in the classroom as well um so that would be nice right. for them to hear it in as many different locations as possible that makes total sense to me um, mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Would you, I know we just have a few minutes left here um, in mm-hmm. this, um, in your sentence structure ebook, you were talking about um, kind of a nice, a nice way to look at, at writing goals. And I know we really didn't think about talking about this, but I really liked it. And you were saying, you know, just kind of having a nice basic um, goal, and then you can add to it. Can you expound on that just maybe for three or four right. minutes? That would be great. Sure. Sure. So I say start with the base goal where it's like, what do you want the kid to do? And I think people overcomplicate goals a lot. So like literally think, what is a behavior that you can physically see mm-hmm. that you want the kid to do? So when it comes to syntax, what do you want the kid to do? You want them to say a sentence. I mean, that is, it is literally that simple. Okay. That's where you start. Um, and so you don't say something like, we'll comprehend because I don't know what that means. I don't know how to tell if they're comprehending or sometimes people get a little fancy with their vocabulary, but literally you want them to say right. sentences. So just mm-hmm. start okay. with that. Um, now, obviously you have to add things like accuracy. You might have to say what specific skills. So you might have to say, we'll say, say sentences with this skill, like, with correct verb endings, or we'll say complex sentences with the right Mm -hmm. conjunctions. So, but I always go back to that base goal. So if you're starting with syntax, always start with that. What is my observable behavior? That is probably the thing that is the trickiest for people to get. I know there's a lot of goal banks out there, but really once you have that base behavior, you can make it a little bit more specific when you need to. You can add level of accuracy, number of sessions, or the the date that you want to have your student meet the goal by, all those other things that you need to add to make your goal smart. But if you can nail that observable behavior, you are 90% of the way there. So that is the thing that if you're struggling with goal writing that you should focus on most and always think, 
if I can't see it, I can't measure it and track it. So, so that's how I write the goals. And that's how you can be less dependent on goal banks as well. Okay. So, so what would be an example if we're working on these basic conjunctions, Mm -hmm. um, on the connecting words, how could I formulate that so into a goal? If you want kids to work on conjunctions, there's a couple of ways you can go with that. Again, start with your base. So we'll say sentences. You could either write the goal for, we'll say sentences with, uh, you could say, we'll say complex and or compound sentences, because if you're working on conjunctions, in order to say a compound or complex sentence, you have to use a conjunction. So you might say something like, we'll say correct compound or complex sentences on four out of five trials, or you could write the sentence for conjunctions. So we'll use conjunctions correctly in compound sentences, or we'll use conjunctions correctly in complex sentences. So you could specify that you want them to use the conjunction, but if you write the goal that you want them to say a compound sentence or a complex sentence, you're really, you really have your basis covered. That's usually where I go with it. Okay. So. Okay. All right. So I'm not going to write, um, and, and, but, and, so and all of that, I'm just going to have kind of, an yeah, umbrella. I mean, you could put that in parentheses, um, but okay. it's, if I always, it's really hard to write the goal so that it is flexible enough that you don't pigeonhole yourself into working on one thing all year and feeling like you can't work on other things, but you don't want to make it so general that somebody will look at it and not know what the kid's supposed to be working on or that you can't track it. So with things like that, I Mm -hmm. usually will specify that I want them to say a certain type of sentence, but not necessarily make it so specific that I am um, saying which type of conjunctions I might you list some examples, but that way you can maybe just work on a couple with the understanding that there might be some carryover, or if you need to move on to another skill and target that under that goal, like, um, you know, let's say that you're working on, you have one goal for syntax and you want to work on both compound and complex sentences. If you add too many specific things, sometimes it just gets, kind of messy and wordy and you know i mean then you have the mega goal where it's like people can't even read it because it's a paragraph long so hopefully that makes sense but but you know i (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i i totally understand the the research side and the data side where it's like you have to be specific enough to measure it but you also can't spend so much time worrying about your goals that you're forgetting to actually serve the students so Gotta find a happy team in there. I think exactly. saying that the that. student will be able to say a compound and or complex sentence, um, you could separate those two out or you could put them in the same goal. I think that's specific enough. So mm-hmm. I like that. Good advice. I like that. Well, I have a question here for you. Um it's mostly about your, you know, your professional life here, but, and you've mm-hmm. been doing therapy for a while. Um, what have you enjoyed most about being an SLP? I will say that I like 
the the whole idea of solving problems. So I like to get something that, you know, it's a challenge and there's lots of pieces that you have to put together and synthesize. And it's like solving this huge puzzle. And and that's exciting to me. So I like finding complicated problems and finding a way to break that down into a step-by-step solution. So that's probably my favorite part of it. And so I, I enjoy that when I'm the one doing the therapy, but I also enjoy doing that when other people, you know, when I'm mentoring other people as well. Mm -hmm. You're good at doing that. You're good at looking at the big picture and then breaking it down and finding out what's wrong and providing solutions. I kind of hear that in you. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, we appreciate it too. (laughs) So Karen, where are you headed in your professional future? What's, what's next for you? Well, I have, I have done a lot of different things. I have, obviously been in the schools primarily. I have done some adjunct work at universities. I've even worked in skilled nursing. I've done a little private practice. um, And I've also mentored SLPs in my, my training programs, but I've realized that I, I function best when I can go all in on one thing. And so for the, Hmm. the foreseeable future, my main focus is going to be on mentoring other SLPs and really helping them to make those breakthroughs. So that is, is my primary focus. Um, I'm also, I'm mentoring SLPs who are treating students with language disorders. And I'm also potentially going to be mentoring some doctoral students with their research as well. Great. Well, I know, and I've been on your website, um, Dr. Karen's speech, and that's D-R and K for Karen, speech.com. Yes. And tell mm-hmm. us what's on your website so that we can access your information further. Okay. So if you go to drkarenspeech.com, there you will have a chance to sign up for that free ebook that you mentioned. So mm-hmm. If you just go to that top page um, or the top part of the page, you'll see there'll be a place that you can click and sign up for that. And when you sign up for that, you're also added to my email newsletter. So you'll get an email from me that is the PDF download. And then you'll also start getting emails from me. But if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page, you will also see some links. It'll say um, Dr. Karen's blog. So if you go to drkarenspeech.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the the page, you'll see some different buttons where you can go to my blog, where you can find some information about my language therapy advanced premium program. So if you click on the work with me button, you'll find that there's also a contact button as well. So there's just some other information on the bottom of that page about getting in touch with me or working with me as well. Okay. Perfect. I love it. Well, this has been amazing. You have shared so much valuable information in a very short length of time, but it's things that we can actually use. And I really appreciate your knowledge and your willingness to share your information with us. So um, I have a feeling this may not be the last time that we do one of these. Would you come back? Absolutely. And thank you for having me. (laughs) Great. Uh, Thank you so much. Well, all the best to you. Thank you, Dr. Karen. 
Thank you for listening to the speech link. Please check out my other offerings at my website, charvoshart.com, and also speechtherapypd.com. See you next time for more interviews, information, and insights. Until then, thank you so much for all that you do with your speech kids. Be well, and God bless. Thank you.